Hey everyone, my name is Yaro and you're listening to the Daydream of Rose podcast. Thank you so much for spending some time with my show. I know you probably have a ton on your mind. There is a lot of anxiety in the air right now. We are dealing with a lot of uncertainty two weeks into a global pandemic and I'm just glad to be able to connect with you at least in this way been self-isolating for two weeks and I really miss humans so it feels nice to listen back to this episode and bring it to you and just know that we're sharing space in this way and if you have any wishes or requests for something that you would like me to send out or record or talk about please let me know please know you're not alone in this and please be sensible and be safe I spoke to Kathleen of Daughter of Once for this episode, which I really enjoyed so much. And it was really, like I said, beautiful to listen back just now. Kathleen is so magical and grounded and real and really relatable to me. I received several readings from her, which I still really treasure. They're currently on sale for $25. So check that out through the link in the show notes if you're interested. And she also offers a ton to her patrons. She is a really beautiful artist currently creating a deck and I think so worth supporting um yeah so I hope I hope that brings some comfort your way um and that you enjoy the episode I am offering a grief tending circle on Sunday that you're also invited to we're going to do a little bit of really gentle breath work and some self-massage some journaling and a little bit of meditation um And yeah, I've just feel really inspired this week to see what people are offering and how we can stay connected that way. And uh, I probably mentioned this, I trained as a deaf midwife and grief celebrant last year and was mainly kind of um, wanting to to really confront my own fears around death and make more space for grief in the practices that I offer. And I had wanted to kind of give myself a lot more time to learn more. I had these stories that I wasn't quite ready yet to offer something public, but um, I feel really called now. I think now is a good time. And so we'll meet on Sunday for 45 minutes. It's going to be a really gentle practice. It's okay to cry. It's okay to not be in video. It's donation-based. So you can just donate $2 if you like, or you can become a patron. I really want to make this as accessible as possible and I think that it will be nice to connect that way so if that feels interesting to you please check it out through the link in the profile as well and again thank you so much for being here and for listening I'm sending lots of love and wishes for safety and protection your way everyone welcome I'm really excited to speak to Kathleen of Daughter of Once today we just have a nice little giggle and some sips of coffee she is such a wonderful practitioner um, she offers tarot readings. She also works with um, astrology. She makes really beautiful art. I've just had a look at her shop again before starting this interview. And, oh, <laughs> really good stuff. And so, yeah, I'm really excited to speak to Kathleen. And also want to say I received a birthday reading from her. And I don't say that lightly. It was really, really beautiful. Um, I've listened to it many times. And I think there's something really special about being able to create um, intimacy and shared exploration in a reading that isn't life and I actually like them much better anyway because I get overwhelmed and kind of always feel in life readings I can't take everything in and it felt so special to receive this recorded reading and 
to be able to hold on to it and kind of listen again and untangle all the different threads. So yeah, thank you so much for being here. Really excited to talk to you, Kathleen. I'm so excited to talk to you too. Thank you so much for having me. And that was such a sweet intro. Thank you. <laughs> Yay. So um, because sadly not every listener can join us in time and space, I would love to ask first where you are in the world right now and what nature is like around you. Oh, good question. Yeah. So I live in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, here on the East Coast. Um, and, you know, here for me, it, the Philadelphia is a little bit like right in the middle of the East Coast. It's right in between, you know, the the South and the North. So it kind of gets this weird mix of weather around this time of year. Uh, so it's actually not too cold right now. We mm -hmm. have some weird like warm spurts, but um, apparently it's supposed to snow later today too, even though it's only for it's like 45 degrees so I don't really know how that's gonna work <laughs> mm -hmm. but yeah weather weather outside and um as someone like me who is very a very keen observer to nature this is definitely a time of year around me where um the grass is still slightly a little bit greener um it's not too brown yet or dead uh there's still so much life around this time of year but um you know there's there's lots of seed pods that are opening right now and lots of fluffy Saturn-like plants that are showing their beards of wisdom mm -hmm. um, and some evergreen trees that we have that are, you know, evergreen and as well as trees that are showing their skeleton around this time of year too. So not too bad. Mm -hmm. That mm. sounds really beautiful. Thank you. Um, so I would love to hear a little bit more about your story. And obviously, I know a little bit about it already. I've, I've followed you on Instagram and I know your website. But for anyone else, can you tell us more about how you found those practices that you're loving or how they found you and what your life has been like so far? Oh, boy. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, I think my... I'll share how I uh, came into tarot, um, which is probably the longest relationship of, well, maybe that and art, I would say, but in terms of the modalities that I practice professionally with Daughter of Wands, um, I think tarot is the, the longest relationship that I have to these modalities and practices. And I, you know, just like most, maybe, I don't know, 13-year-old girls, um, I was at the Renaissance Fair for a class trip one day, and uh, I, yes, I was dressed up in Renaissance gear, um, and I came across one of their, their stores in, in the fair, and I saw a bunch of tarot cards, and I was immediately intrigued. Um, I bought this deck that I never use now. It's super hard. Mm -hmm. And of course I was learning on this really, really hard deck. So, um, for the longest time, and it, it's so funny because I can go back and actually have found some of my journals from 13, 14, 15 year old me. And I had this one deck that I would pull cards all of the time and constantly, but I never felt quite, um, connected with the images in terms of like making my own intuitive decisions about them because it was a pip deck 
So it was one of those cards that didn't have like the Rider Waite does, the traditional tarot um, that a lot of us are familiar with when we, you know, Google tarot and we see those images. Um, that the, a pip deck is basically like the, the minor arcana, like mm-hmm. the five of wands, for example, is just five wands. Like there's no um, story or um, image on the card other than mm-hmm. just five pieces of wood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's hard to read from a deck like that when you're just starting out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So for years I had that deck and I would basically just read the book. But um, I also knew that, you know, doom and gloom type, you know, your fortune with, with the card book was very like difficult for me as a 13 year old to be in touch with. So it still like was something that still, I was still drawn to though. Um, I didn't let that like kind of get in my way a little bit, but basically, Mm -hmm. like I said, I found all these journals, um, almost every year I would sit down in a fresh journal and write out every single card and the meaning of it. Mm-hmm. And um, typical mutable energy me, I would never finish it. I would never get <laughs> through 78 cards. But um, I would start with a major arcana and I would work through it. And I basically just try to memorize it through writing it. And I probably have about four of those throughout the course of my early teenage and late teenage years. So, of course, that never really stuck. <laughs> mm-hmm. But what a cool document to have now. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, I'd have to, I, I, would, I would like to actually display them somehow. Um, yeah. <laughs> just have to get them all out. But, uh, yeah, so when my, my, my dad actually one day saw me with these cards. And he actually shared that he used to be a tower reader in the seventies. Wow. (laughs) And I had no idea. He never told us that about himself. And I was intrigued, of course. And I asked him to tell me more. I asked him to teach me, but he reached a certain point with his relationship with the tower where he basically put it away for good. And he never wanted to work with it again because of his own superstition. And, you know, in the time you know, who knows? I'm sure there's so much to the story that he didn't even share, but um, he has his own reasons. But um, basically stuff started coming true and that really actually freaked him out. Mm-hmm. So he actually put them away and he never taught me the, the cards. So I still had to go on learning them in my own way, but he definitely supported me. And he was, ex- I think he was excited by the fact that I was still doing it. Um, but he never really shared any of his stuff with me. The only thing that he shared was that very traditional way of reading the cards with a signifier, basically pulling one of the court cards out um, to represent the current or the person that you're doing the reading for, mm-hmm. um, which I don't resonate at all with. So that's the only thing that he shared. And so maybe it makes best sense that I learned in my own way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. And so I, you know, you you go on, you live your life, <laughs> yeah. you grow up, you <clears throat> graduate high school and you go into college. And I went to art school mm-hmm. um, here in Philadelphia. And, um, you know, so I was very, you know, studied around developing my skill at that time. And I, I left my, that tarot deck and the tarot cards at my mom's house, you know, at my, at my home when I lived away at college. So it wasn't until after college that when I started, when I moved 
into my own place pretty much right after school. I brought those decks, that deck with me. And I also got a new deck. I got the Rider Waite, like the very traditional the deck so that I could learn a little bit easier. And, you know, basically being in my mid-20s at this point, I went through a pretty dark period. I'm not going to lie. It was probably the darkest so far in terms of uh, emotional upheaval and pain and just really had no idea who the fuck I was. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So relatable. Yeah. You know, I really had no idea who I was, but also thought that I was still invincible and um, was just making, surrounding myself with people that um, I think with all the distance of it now, looking back on it, almost crazy, almost 10 years ago, Mm -hmm. um, that you know, with the distance of it now, I can say that, you know, I was meant to be around those people to really show me that I wasn't meant to be around those people. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it took me a long time because, you know, I wanted to be part of a group. I wanted to have friends. I wanted to be liked and loved. And um, I did that in somewhat abusive ways to myself. Mm-hmm. And um So I started to realize that those patterns (laughs) and I started to realize how unhappy I was. And so I just on a whim one day decided to pull up my tarot cards and I don't even, I honestly don't even remember the cards that came out. The only one that I think I remember, it was like a basic three card spread, I think. And the devil was in there. And I, at this point, I, this is the first time coming back to the tarot and remember I wasn't really like in tune with the cards still, even though I thought that I knew tarot, you know, I, I, cause I was working with them since I was 13, blah, blah, blah. So mm-hmm. I, I thought I had this idea of like, oh, I, I'll read my cards and I'll immediately understand what it means. And mm-hmm. of course that was, tr- wasn't true, but also ma- almost magically. Mm-hmm. I guess it was at the right time, you know, right moment, yeah. right time where I pulled these cards and I did actually know exactly what it was trying to tell me, probably mm-hmm. because they're... and that the devil was, was the card that showed up for me at that time where I was. And I think it's so prevalent to the way that I work with the devil now in you and we're recording this in Capricorn season, which is, you know, the devil's ruled by Capricorn. Mm-hmm. Um, that I was all, I was aware of the self-defeating and self-betrayal patterns. I was aware of the patterns of my life that um, were in the long run harmful to me. And the devil was almost like that immediate illumination of, oh, actually, I I can actually change it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's actually not the end of the story, and it's it's actually the beginning of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's it's oddly enough that was like a, right around the time when I you know was kind of done with that lease on the house, and everything kind of fell into place after that. Uh, like later that week, I decided to go on this is really silly but I decided to go on um I was like just dating a lot of people not seriously because I had been hurt so many times 
um, you know, honestly, the, the, what, the reason why my mid twenties were so painful was because I was, um, just so deeply hurting myself through choosing to, um, choose people that didn't love me, Mm -hmm. um, and abused me that way. And I chose to continue to abuse myself through shitty, like, forms of just having sex with a bunch of people, you know, Mm -hmm. just not really engaging with real connection and harming myself in that way, uh, emotionally. Mm -hmm. So that, I mean, again, is another reason why the devil probably showed up there too. Um, But I was really tired of doing that to myself and feeling like I didn't actually deserve a partner, um, that I actually didn't deserve love. And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to get, and this is the time of like online dating, like, um, uh, okay Cupid and stuff like that, that Mm -hmm. was really popular over here at the time, 10 years ago. And I, I made a profile (laughs) (laughs) and I actually, within that week, found the person that I am still with. Wow. That's huge. Yeah. How magical. Yeah. So, um, the devil, uh, the, the devil and tarot brought me the, the most beautiful partner, um, Mm -hmm. that I'm still with this, this year in a few months, we'll be celebrating our seventh anniversary. Um, and it brought me through him. It brought me having two amazing cats and, mm-hmm. you know, incredible support by, through my partner to actually quit my full-time job and do this work full-time, you know, without him, I wouldn't probably have the courage to do it. And so, so it's, yeah, it, it led me to, to all of this in some way, some magical mm-hmm. way. So that, that's my relationship to tarot. And mm-hmm. after that, you know, I've, I've um, it wasn't until many years later that I actually decided to study the tarot. Like mm-hmm. really, I, I did some work with, um, Lindsay Mack of wild soul healing, um, or tarot for the wild soul. I worked with, I did a couple of her online courses for the past couple of years. Um, there is a local tarot reader, uh, Eric Dupree, who I've also learned a lot from, um, Sarah Chapel. Uh, our, I think you're familiar with her work, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did um, work with Sarah, who's amazing. So um, I really like decided to step into Tara more because it actually showed me what what was capable um, mm-hmm. through the process of witnessing yourself, basically. Um, so that's where I'm at now, and I decided to take that on professionally and. Yeah. So, and right now I'm, um, fusing my love for tarot and astrology with my talent, skill, resources, and love for drawing. And I'm Mm -hmm. trying to create my own tarot deck now. Mm, That's so exciting. I'm really, Mm -hmm. really, really cannot wait to see that unfold. And thank you so much for sharing that. What speedy magic, hey? A speedy okay cupid magic, I would say. <laughs> I know it's so silly that it actually was like just online dating, but I yeah, it was it just happened yeah. so quickly. 
Yeah, that's amazing. I don't think that it's just um, online dating. I think it's just as valid as any other way of meeting someone, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I think in many ways it's more introvert friendly, which I really appreciate. So that's yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I wonder, you know, like through all of this and in building your own business and navigating the world and, you know, um, building social media and all that, what are the practices for yourself that you really love coming back to? Maybe as you close your week or as you start your day, what feels nourishing to you at the moment? Mm, yeah um well I, I okay so <laughs> um I'll be honest that and I probably I think I've I definitely have shared this on my Instagram at least a couple months ago um that astrology you know I'm a self-taught astrologer too I mean I've definitely taken lots of um courses and stuff online um but I'm definitely self-taught um, and I'm like proud of, like I, I like, I'm a very, I'm a Sagittarius. I like, <laughs> like to teach myself everything I can. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, that's been a, a set for the past five years or so. Um, I'm also a self-taught arborist too. Like I'm a self-taught everything. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so the past few months, or at least this year, mm-hmm. astrology has actually felt a little bit draining to me. Mm-hmm. And I think because, and this is just me witnessing my, my shadows. This is me just naming my shadow coming mm-hmm. out with this. So I'm very honest about that here. And the fact that um, I was realizing, you know, as astrology becomes more mainstream, which is great. Don't get me wrong. I'm super excited about that. Um, I witnessed a part of me getting a little defensive and a little bit um competitive that side of me coming out when I was witnessing all these other people on Instagram on social media um of course social media can be so triggering mm-hmm. um to our imposter syndrome mm-hmm. um and that's what I felt like I that's the side of me that I felt like was engaging with astrology specifically and Mm -hmm. I didn't like that but I witnessed I was aware of it pretty much immediately and so therefore it almost felt like astrology was no longer a tool Mm -hmm. for reflection for me no it wasn't it was no longer a helpful tool and because it was almost triggering this competitive um shadow side um to me and I, at the time, chose to not sit with that and escape that and also step away from something that was triggering. And in a way, it was like me being inner inner parenting in a way to myself Mm -hmm. um, to kind of do something that felt safe for me at the time or do something that felt more authentic, quote unquote, um, or that felt healing to me. And at the time, this was during the summer too, so it wasn't that long ago. At the time, I decided to really not do, to not look at my transits because it just felt too heady. It felt too intellectual. It felt like um, anybody could say anything about what these planets mean and it still doesn't really like mean how, I, how I'm embodying it. And mm-hmm. so it felt like a very disembodied intellectual, rational 
approach that was surrounding me around astrology. Um, and I just didn't like it. So I, I parented myself around it and I decided to not look at astrology for like two months. <laughs> and I went back to my artwork. So my artwork was incredibly healing for me as a process to come back to myself. And I also knew that I had wanted to do this tarot deck for the past two, three years, and I never acted on it because it was actually really terrifying to me. Um, even though I'm trained as an artist, um, and like I said, that's actually the longest relationship with any of those modalities is I went, like I took art lessons when I was like five. Like it's like the longest thing that I've been engaged with. And so, and my dad was also an artist too. There's a lot of stuff that my dad used to do that I kind of carry on mm -hmm. a lot. Um, anyway, so drawing to me was the most healing thing um, that I worked through in my personal practice that I, I actually didn't share. I just recently started sharing it on Instagram, um, but I had been doing it all year pretty much, um, especially since last spring. Um, when I had lots of physical pain, I would draw what was in my body. Mm. I, you know, I, I used it as a modality, um, to understand what was happening in my experience. Um, then I started using it to kind of channel just images. Um, and it, I sat on those for a long time and then I decided to finally do something with them and offer them, um, to the world as a, you know, I just sat down in 15 minutes. I had 12 drawings in 15 minutes and I realized, Oh shit, these there's 12 drawings. These are the 12 signs. And I created a little booklet for like, um, you know, what encapsulated the sign, like the Pisces experience. If you're a Pisces, uh, for 2019, basically. So like a year Oracle basically. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was really healing for me. And, it, uh, for the longest time I didn't, I just sat with these images and I didn't feel like I needed to share them. Um, and then I started creating more and more and more and creating creates more creativity. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that honestly has been the, mo the most surprising and healing thing that, um, reminded me of who I am and has been super uh, fulfilling and nourishing for me because I get a lot out of it too. It's not just, um, it's not even about me creating work for an audience anymore. Uh, like maybe like how it used to be. Um, one of the, like my, my main, my full-time job that I stepped away from a year and a half ago was, um, I was an artist, uh, for the fashion industry. And I, so I got a job, like a full-time real legit job with my, um, very obsolete degree from height from college, which is textile design. Um, so I went to school for weaving and printmaking, uh, and surface design. Um, but I got a job as basically a des textile designer for, the fashion industry. So basically what that meant was I would create repeat patterns. Basically, if you have a printed type of fabric, like an image on fabric, I would be the artist that would draw that or create it. Mm -hmm. um, and 
you know, that was fun at first. That was really soul draining to be quite honest, because I was one of the people that worked on the custom team. So people would come to us and I would basically draw what you want me to draw. And I had no say in any of it, which is fine. But also, um, I, you know, the fashion industry is very, um, trend based, which means that nothing, everything that I had to draw was a ripoff of another artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that really was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can only do that for so long mm-hmm. and then it's just not worth it at all. Um, so the whole reason why I'm talking about that, why it's such a big deal for me to draw essentially at this point in my stage and in, in this journey is because I did that for years and for about six years. And by the time I stepped away from it and I was like, I'm going to do a tarot deck. The the reason why it was so terrifying to me was because I had no idea what my own hand looked like as an artist. I had Mm -hmm. no idea what my own style looked like, uh, what images would naturally come out of me without, without, um, you know, having the need to kind of go back to the way of how I used to have to always draw inspiration from someone else's artwork, you know? Mm -hmm. So it was, that was the scariest thing to like be original actually. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't draw for the first year and like for the first almost full year, maybe six, nine months, maybe more like nine months. I didn't draw at all after I left that because I needed to just not draw. Mm -hmm. And then it was airy season when my last year, last April, when my business was super slow and I was freaking out. (laughs) Um, And I just decided to start drawing. And that's when it all kind of began to click back in place. And I started to, I never looked at anything and I just kind of started drawing what was in my mind when I was meditating. And then before I knew it, I was like, oh, I actually have like I'm noticing that there's patterns of certain motifs that I use. I actually do have a certain style that's developing that it took me a while to kind of tease it out of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and now here I am. And as of like, right before we started recording, I finished my first like card card for my deck. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the devil. Oh my God. Wow. <laughs> Are you going to share it? Right now I'm only sharing, um, my like previews of my, my images on my Patreon mm-hmm. actually. So if you want to see, if anybody wants to see like the, the, pre, like the progress of the deck coming, coming up, um, to, to life, it's only available on my Patreon, but it's through any, any pledge level. So you can join for a dollar and see the past like everything there's so much on there that I offer even at the dollar level. Um, Mm -hmm. and that's just kind of like to protect my energy basically and the work that goes into it. Um, but at some point, yes, I'm going to be sharing it. I might even make like a separate Instagram for it. Who knows? But, um, Mm -hmm. yeah. And I actually have already a few images, um, but they've actually been kind of evolving. The style has been evolving. So I think where I'm at right now with, with the devil has been like, okay, I think this is the style that it's going to be. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I also do have the wheel of fortune up on my Patreon too. Um, mm-hmm. 
And that one's pretty intense. I might actually add some color to that one, but it's, it's basically, I'll, I'll share what that one is. It's a whirlpool with a little frog that's kind of surfing on a lily pad um, mm -hmm. as it kind of get, as it kind of gets swirled closer to the center um, of the whirlpool. But um, yeah, the, the, the deck is going to be um, all nature based. So there's no humans in the deck. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm a very nature or plant-based person. Um, so it's going to be very, uh, it, like I said, basically no humans. It's basically the natural world. A lot of it's, um, if you've ever read the book series, um, uh, I think the book series is actually called Earth's Children, but it's, it's the clan of the cave bear it's like the clan of the cave bear is the first book in the book series um, mm -hmm. by Jean, Jean M. Owl. And so it's like a seven book series that was written. It first began in the eighties and she's been writing more books, but um, that basically takes place place in Neolithic times, basically um, Cro-Magnons uh, and the main, the main protagonist is a woman who is basically an herbalist. So there's so there's like Neolithic herbalism in it that is just so fucking fascinating to mm -hmm. me. And just this time period when we were so close to the earth, um, that's kind of like the inspiration for it. But I'm just removing like humans in general. I just prefer it to be um, the to nature itself to teach us about mm -hmm. the about the mirror of the human experience in nature too. Mm -hmm. um, and that's so much about, I think the core of my belief actually, in just being a human, mm -hmm. <laughs> I see so much of the mirroring in nature and the importance of that. Like, that's what I worship. Like, like that's my religion mm -hmm. is nature. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm sure that you, um, you know, resonate on some level with that. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> Yes. <clears throat> That's really exciting. I am I feel so tingly about 2024 um myself and for you and for many people. I think that there's going to be some really cool things that will come forward because we really need them. Mm -hmm. Um I want to say more than ever and I think it's also kind of not always helpful to compare the pain levels of different times in human history. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you know what you mean, you know, like this yeah, work is yeah. needed and I'm very excited for it. So that's great. And thank you so much also for sharing a little bit more about the struggle and um, the little turns that you made, because I think that's so important that we talk about that too. So easy to compare ourselves on Instagram and think that, Things have always oh. been easy and one day someone woke up and had an epiphany for the business and then it was an overnight success and everyone lived happily ever after. No, yeah, <laughs> it's just so not, you know, because yeah. you, you, you get to you get to filter what you put, what you share yeah. out there, you yeah. know, and so there's so much that people don't share, which is also like their own, like, their own boundaries like mm -hmm. we don't we don't have to share our pain constantly yeah um in order to be relatable you know mm -hmm. it's it's not always about that there i think i think it is important to be private on some level you know to, to you know to to have your own private experience i think is important in life too like we don't always have to share and put everything out there on the table for people but at the same time i've also really witnessed how much people can come together through sharing 
um, through being vulnerable. And in fact, mm. oddly enough, although not surprising, when I'm the most vulnerable on my Instagram is when the most people reach out to me. Mm -hmm. um, when I share my stories about my failures as a person and even in business, um, I'll, I'll just put it out there like surprisingly, shockingly. Sometimes I just feel really called to be like, look, here's the deal. Here's mm -hmm. like, this is part of reality. And I'm learning this for the first time. I've, I'm, I've never, like, there's no one in my family who's ever been self-employed. So this mm -hmm. is a first. I don't have a, I don't have a role model for that. I don't have anyone to ask for help when it comes to doing, like, I'm the first one in my family to go off on my own and be self-employed. Um, so no one can really, like, understand or help me with that, which is fine, but it also makes it slightly difficult on some, on some days. Um, I'm also the first one in my family to go to college. So I'm the first one with all the student loans mm -hmm. and, you know, it's, they're actually like an ungodly amount of money. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I share my struggle with that. I also mm -hmm. share my, I'm also pretty vulnerable and like, I'm here. I'll just tell everybody now, like, you know, I don't have any shame in the fact that like, I'm, you know, I actually went into bankruptcy when I was not even 30 yet mm -hmm. because of my student loans. And so, you know, there's, and now I'm, I'm and now here I am like self-employed, like every single dollar that comes to me goes towards my student loans basically. And so mm -hmm. it's def definitely challenging and I'm not going to lie. There's definitely like days when I wake up and I'm like, why the fuck did I decide to do this? Why did I decide to make my life so much more difficult? And, you know, like there's, there's definitely days where I have that. And, um, it's, it's challenging for sure. But it's also like, I look back and I'm like, but I'm so much more happier. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, I'm so much more happy, happier and honored that, I actually have the capacity to help people. Like I, that was never a possibility with the work that I just came from as a full-time job. Like that, even though I created art for people, like that didn't make the world go around. I'm sorry to say, like it, it <laughs> didn't, you know what I mean? Like it really didn't make the world go around. It really didn't help people. And in fact, it was helping people who were fucking, getting their fabrics printed in sweatshops. Like it, mm -hmm. it didn't, it was very icky. And, you know, when I decided to leave that, it was, um, you know, now I have the distance from it about like a little over a year ago. And it's, um, it's an honor to say that I get to wake up and actually serve and mm -hmm. actually make a difference and actually help people. And that's what I'm here for. Like if, even though I'm fucking like broke and every cent goes towards paying my student loans, I'm honored that, mm -hmm. and, and it's a privilege and it's so amazing that I'd still rather pick this over having a job that over, over money, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you so much for sharing. I'm wishing you so much abundance and just 
yeah so much support for all the beautiful things that you're offering thank um, you and yeah yeah you totally deserve it and i i really think that you are really supporting people in super beautiful ways having experienced that myself um yeah i'm wondering if people are listening <clears throat> I'm I'm really jealous, for example, that you went to art school and and I know how difficult it is to live with the burden of student loans now. I'm also the first person in my family to go to university and to start a business. Um so I relate to that in many ways. I'm very lucky that in Europe study fees aren't so high, so usually mm -hmm. our loans are lower. Um mm -hmm. but still, you know, it's that's yeah. really tricky and um I, I wish I had gone to art school. I was really just not courageous enough when I was a young teenager. Um, I had a boyfriend at the time who did go to art school and mm. I thought we would be together forever and I thought that I would have <laughs> to be the responsible one. And so mm. I started working and then did a distance degree in, in really sensible stuff. So And now mm. I'm, I'm taking art classes and really rediscovering mm. that for myself. Which brings me to my next question. I'm wondering... Like, how do you, you, you touched on this a little bit, and I love listening to that. Um, when you were speaking to feelings of, of like resentment, maybe, or shadow aspects coming yeah. through in the work with astrology, and then you reclaimed a totally different part of your creativity. Um, and I wonder, like, how does that look like to find that balance and kind of tap into that creative expansion on a day-to-day -day basis? Like, do you give yourself pep talks? Do you have little mm. rituals that help you feel creative or like what kind of resistance comes up both in creating and also in the sharing of that work? Yeah, it's a great question. Thanks for asking. Um, well, yeah, it definitely was and still is a process that doesn't, that it, through daily integration is helpful, but it's been a few, several month process so far. And, um, one of the, one of the best things that's been helpful for me is actually doing like shadow work stuff. I actually had a, um, a trade with, uh, around in early November. Um, her name is Kwan Yin and her, she does emotional alchemy actually. Um, and I was like, what's that? And it's basically shadow work. And she was so, her, her Instagram is Kwan Yin and that's spelled K-W-O-N-Y-I-N. And so she was really helpful. Um, I had a great session with her when we just talked about all of that and shadow work and basically um, addressing like going deeper and deeper and deeper to the roots, to the root, to the root of that, to the root of that, and kind of going back into these memories that, and, and these things that I didn't even realize were actually really early childhood memories that where all of these things kind of began. And so just knowing that and acknowledging that was really helpful to begin with. And then, you know, I had this question of, well, astrology right now is almost painful. So I'm going to quote unquote escape or choose to use the word reparent myself with mm -hmm. artwork because that's healing. Mm -hmm. And in that process with Quan Yin, I was asking myself, well, does that mean because it's really triggering for me right now that it's actually worth it, that I'm meant to stay there and meant mm -hmm. to kind of go into that shadow? And the answer is, yeah. So I actually realized that that's where the balance started, the integration and the balance 
started happening. <clears throat> um, that it wasn't cause it was a few, several months where I was just not, like I said, about two months where I was just choosing to ignore that shadow to just choosing to ignore and just heal myself with art. And it wasn't until having this realization of, Oh, actually the triggering stuff and the hard stuff is what is worth it to sit with. So that was in November. That was not that long ago. And, Mm -hmm. um, ever since then, I, it's almost like having that realization allowed me to come back to astrology in my own terms. And actually, even what I was talking about with the tarot deck, um, that I see nature as a mirror for the human experience or that offers us medicine, you know, it's been here much longer than us. Um, and it has so much wisdom to share and we choose to see ourselves as separate from it, you know, which is not true. Um, that coming back to astrology through nature, actually through things that made me feel, it's almost like I forgot that I had the authorship to come back to something that was painful in ways that make me feel connected to what I'm actually connected to, if that makes sense. So instead of looking at astrology and engaging with, I chose how I was engaging with it. I was choosing to filter my engagement with it in terms of, in ways that felt more comfortable to me and felt more safe to me. So like I said, instead of like looking at an ephemeris and looking at all these numbers, things that are slightly, um, harder for me to grasp or kind of super intellectual, which is why I kind of stepped away from it to begin with. And what if I just chose to go outside and walk in my favorite park and see what this plant has to share with me about nature and about astrology instead. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I started to come back to astrology actually. Mm -hmm. And that's how I, you know, so now <laughs> it's kind of like how I'm kind of coming back to everything actually. Um, so that's my daily integration. That's my daily work with healing some of these shadow aspects um, is actually sitting down and looking at them and doing some, I don't even have a word for it. And I do this in my own practice a lot where Um, if I'm feeling a certain way, I actually did this yesterday because I got a piece of mail that really triggered, (laughs) Uh triggered me, um, and was really scary for me. And so I decided to, this is, and this is like, this just happened yesterday. I decided Uh to sit with that fear. Yeah. And I I was really tempted to actually surprisingly play a video game (laughs) (laughs) Wow, cool! to, to escape from it though. And I recognized that to, Mm -hmm. to not deal, to not deal with it. So I actually was like, okay, I'm not going to do that. I'm actually going to sit with it. And I basically closed my eyes and took with a few breaths. I decided to witness what my body was physically trying to communicate to me in that moment, mm-hmm. because we all hold emotion, especially when we're triggered in a very specific circumstance. Like for me, it was getting mail. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, 
that because it reminded me of these getting mail and getting like these giant student loan checks that are bills that I didn't have the money for and mm-hmm. how how was I ever going to survive literally and so I sat with it and I named where in my body I was experiencing this like what in my body was knocking on the door so to speak what was getting my attention and mm-hmm. I felt it in my stomach and so I said, okay, it's in my stomach. So I'm going to almost like magic school bus style, kind of get real small and dive into that area of my body with my consciousness. Um, like if I were to do like a journey basically, and I went into my stomach or the area where I was feeling anything. And in this case, it was fear. And I started seeing red immediately and I knew okay I'm not in my stomach I'm in my root chakra and I just kind of was open and I didn't force any images I'm a very visual person as you can tell I'm an artist so mm-hmm. when I when I journey I see things very clearly and um everything was red and I arrived at this beach <laughs> and I'm telling all the story but this is just to kind of bring home to like this practice basically mm-hmm. so I was really open and just beginner's mind, not trying again to kind of force any symbolism um, or any experience. I was just kind of going, okay, root chakra, you have my awareness. What, it, what, besides, before even going, what are you trying to tell me? I just tried to arrive at that place and see what my surroundings look like. And so I was at this beach and it was almost like, if you were watching a film that had a red filter on it, like everything was just red. And Mm -hmm. um, I saw on the edge of this beach where almost like the, I was on an island where the jungle met met the beach. So it was like right at that liminal space of like land and sand, like land and beach. And there was a cave and I saw myself standing outside of this cave, but I looked really scared and I was gathering wood for a shelter and I was panicked. Like I was gathering wood, but I wasn't paying attention. I was looking outward and almost waiting for someone to attack me basically. And I was very panicked and that's pretty much the extent of what I saw, but that gave me enough to go off of Mm -hmm. and realize that it was fear that I wasn't going to, that I was basically this fear of, not not existing this fear of being attacked by some unknown outside force um that everything was going to be taken from me that I've worked so hard to build essentially you know and so that that's pretty much on a very deeper level this this feeling that I get when you know I get the bill statement and when I'm really nervous about like doing taxes and all that stuff that I'm just not familiar with at all and so that, that's been a daily practice when I, when I have those triggers to step into it and not to escape from it so that I can understand it and reparent my inner, my scared and wounded inner child with it mm-hmm. just by daily practice of sitting with that and also trying to just understand where those memories even come from. And so that I can almost like rewrite the internal like the default operating system in my mind of you know that the side of me that's 
engaging with shadow, the side of me that's saying I'm doing everything wrong, that I'm a failure, that I'm not meant to do this work, that um, it's hard because I'm, because you should stop doing it, you know, like, because you're not on the right path. All of those things that we tell ourselves um, in our worst moments or when we're, we're own, our own worst critic, um, that we have the ability to rewrite that. It just does, it does take time. And that's like what I'm in the process of. And that's the devil as well in the tarot is that we have the ability to author and rewrite a new operating system mm-hmm. um, that it just takes time. And for me, that's, that's a daily practice that is super, super helpful for me and my clients that I do a lot. Um, also, walking in nature and using nature as my teacher, as opposed to um, kind of thinking that I need to learn everything from a book. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think I just want to honor you for having the courage and capacity and the wisdom to slow down at a point where slow down and come into embodiment and reprioritize that at a time that can be so anxiety inducing. I think that's like a really amazing learned skill that mm-hmm. we all really need. And I think that it really weaves into all of the work that you do. And I love what you said about reparenting yourself. Again, I think that's so important and there's so many ways to do that. And yeah, I think I would just encourage anyone listening to think about what that means to them. And it doesn't have to be, you know, exactly what you and I are doing or anything in particular, but just sitting with that for a moment when anxiety comes up or anything Mm -hmm. like that, see like what would reparenting myself look like right now is such a powerful, really, really, yeah, really good question to ask, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that, that's also, that, that's something that I was automatically doing. And when I worked with Kwan Yin, that was part of her practice. And I was like, oh, this is something that I do too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I've, I've been, um, and also uh, her name is Energy Archaeology on Instagram. She's also great. Her name is Ashley Stinson. Um, you, would, you would also probably love her work too, Yaro. But mm-hmm. she does, um, she's an energy worker, but she specifically it, she's a much more like um intuitive like almost like a medical intuitive I, she probably wouldn't call herself that but she's almost like a medical intuitive she's very knowledgeable around the human like bones basically and um the energetic properties of the human body and how we embody like it's she's just incredible and i've learned so much from her too um with that practice actually mm-hmm. um she really teaches embodiment and she does a lot of free stuff and a lot of um, like accessible work as well. Um, she has taught me how to, how to ba- basically do that practice to get into the body when we're feeling, um, when we're feeling a certain way, even if it's sadness, loneliness, you know, or fear or anxiety um, is to actually come to to actually just acknowledge it because when we that all stems back from when we're when we're super young basically and we have these same experiences um of big t trauma and little t trauma right Uh, so um even if we're told like you know like as a kid um 
why are you wearing that? You don't, you know, like, did you dress yourself? Like you look stupid. Like words like that, like are actually harmful to us, but we're, we're so young that we don't actually know how to process it. And so in those moments, the energetic body does, it does like a split basically. And we're suppressing our, our response or our emotional reaction to that for many different reasons. Again, one of them may be that we don't actually have the capacity at that age or time to understand what's happening and to process it. And then other times as we get older and that happens and we're told to not cry, for example, right? Like we're told to suppress that cry and our bodies still carry that even 30 years later. Mm -hmm. And so that's why in the moment we don't want to re-traumatize. We actually want to, um, when little things like that for me, getting mail was super triggering. Um, that's why I was like, you know what? I actually got to practice what I preach (laughs) and I can't play a video game right now to escape from it. I actually really need to do the work and sit with it. And just even from the beginning to just accept and acknowledge the fact that I feel a certain way that this is happening because then you're telling your body, yes, you're real. This is real. (laughs) This is valid. And it's okay that I feel this way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's just the first step And that's the first and probably the biggest step that I think is hard for so many of us to take, but just acknowledging the fact that you feel anxious can be such a huge game changer um, that that can really move you forward in a lot of ways. And then you have the more and more that you practice that, the more that you're, you're able to kind of quickly connect with the body and quickly kind of move out of the mind and come back down into the heart, into the root, into the shoulder, anything in the body that reminds you um, that anchors you to something that's safe, that your body is safe. And that's also just like a huge rewriting program for a lot of people too, is that some, some of us believe that our body isn't safe for many, many different reasons. Um, But when we kind of come into embodiment and especially when we're witnessing our triggers, our, our, which is our shadow kind of coming out in those moments, um, trying to speak to us by acknowledging our shadow. That's how we do shadow work. That that's what that is. You know, we are, and, and the vehicle to that is the body. It doesn't have to be about talk therapy, which it totally can, but this is also a free resource yeah. that, that <laughs> every single one of us is capable of. Um, just we just have to remember that our body is a vehicle for doing shadow work too and it it is and it can be super super safe mm-hmm. um and there's no wrong way to do it really you just have to kind of what i always recommend people especially clients who have full-time jobs um who have stressful work environments um and they can't necessarily like do a meditation in the middle of their desk uh, space with other people around them, you know, that I always recommend for people who 
work in a space like that are surrounded by other people to actually just get up and go to the bathroom, close the door. You know, no one's going to bother you in the bathroom at work or even mm-hmm. in your house, um, unless you have a kid or a cat who busts through the door with no privacy. <laughs> um, but I'm saying because my cats totally bust in on me in the bathroom all the time. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, that you can go into the bathroom, close the door, and you're already in a safe space where no one's going to bother you. And no one has to know what you're doing in the bathroom because nobody's going to ask. <laughs> um, to just close your eyes and breathe and acknowledge what part of your body feels activated at that time and just acknowledge that. Okay. I'm I'm feeling my shoulder is in a lot of pain for some reason. Wow. I didn't notice that until a second ago because I actually took a breath and asked my body what's happening as opposed to thinking that it's all in my head. And so that shoulder pain actually stores a memory or a story or an emotion. And so you're asking that shoulder in that moment, for example, you know, to to dive in and to show you what's going on. Mm. And you might be, it's mostly going to be symbolic. It may actually be like, I mean, everybody's experience is going to be different. You may hear, taste, smell, touch, something, you know, something different. But um, for me, again, I'm usually pretty visual. So I'll see things. And a lot of my clients tend to see things that are like symbolic or not actual like real life memories, but are more symbolic because that's how the intuition talks to us, you know? So I remember Mm -hmm. one time um, someone might say like, oh shit, I see I'm, I realize that there's someone, um, who's got like water, who's carrying like water buckets and she's super overloaded. And so Mm -hmm. we kind of, we have these connections that way. So that's a really helpful practice. Yeah. Hopefully is helpful for anyone listening too. Mm -hmm. I think it is. I think I love what you said about the body being this free resource. And I think there's so much wisdom now that's often really easily overlooked and yeah uh, creating those spaces of privacy to really listen it's so beautiful and in some ways common sense and in other ways I think we really need to remind each other that we deserve to take up space for that kind of stuff because it's really important and it really makes a big difference so yeah thank you so much for sharing that um I (laughs) I have so many more questions and I would really love to talk to you forever and maybe we can speak again uh, this year I really would love to do second interviews with people so if you're up yeah. for that that would be great absolutely um, but before we go I would love to know um what are you currently offering and where people can find you so right now I am offering I I open up the the I open it up four times a year so right now it's currently closed but I am offering that astrology a group astrology mentorship, so to, so to speak, um, that's through nature actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's called cycles of becoming and, uh, that will reopen for enrollment, um, in the beginning of the spring. So for airy season, mm-hmm. um, that, that will open up and each seasonal cycle will open it up to new people. And basically we learn astrology through the lens of nature together in our own and we learn from each other in our own experiences. Um, so that's really fun. 
I'm doing that right now. Uh, again, that'll open in probably April uh, or March. And then um, I also just offer natal chart readings, tower readings, and I do distance energy work. So for example, the stuff that we were talking about with the embodiment, that's more of something that we will do either in a tarot session or in a um, energy session. Um, yeah. And then I also, you know, you can buy my artwork as well. Um, my Patreon is where I do a lot of work and that's um, patreon.com slash daughter of wands. Um, and my website is just daughter of mm-hmm. Thank you so much. We'll link to that in the show notes as well. So if anyone, ah, the puppy chat starts chewing on my <laughs> If anyone didn't catch that, it will be in the show notes as well. And your Instagram is also totally worth checking out. It's really beautiful. I mean, I love all your visual work. It's Thank really you. beautiful. Thank you so much for today. It's been really beautiful to talk to you and I uh, can't wait to talk again. Thank you. Oh, likewise. Thank you, Yara, so <laughs> Thank much. Thank you. <laughs>